You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. And welcome to the POD cast. We are back, baby. We are here. The NFL Combine is in the rearview mirror. Free agency is two weeks away. The draft is a month and a half away. Things are about to pick up and things are about to get really, really fun. And they're about to get really fun right here on the POD cast. My name is Jeremy Reisman. I'm managing editor and the adequate slash interim coach of this podcast. Um, you can find me at Detroit Online on Twitter or at Pride of Detroit on Twitter. With me, as always, my sidekick, Ryan Matthews. That's at Ryan underscore POD on Twitter. Ryan, how are we doing tonight? Uh, I'm feeling all right. I mean, minus the fact that I was slighted by our Twitter account, which, you know, promoted one person being on this podcast, but not another. I guess mine just doesn't hold the same kind of clout when it comes to the combine as his does. But that's fair. <laughs> I, listen, I, I'm I an never, extra. You're an, you're an inherent part of it. You're yes. part of the POD cast. I'm supplemental. <laughs> <laughs> that other voice you hear that's being a lot less contentious right off the bat. <laughs> that's Kent Lee Platty, the, the star of Raz, the star of the NFL Combine, all metrics at Math Bomb on Twitter. Kent, how are we doing tonight? Fantastic. Glad to be on as always. You guys are great. Um, well, uh, unless anyone else has any objections to how I run this thing, um, I think we'll get into it. <laughs> oh my goodness. Okay. We can, we can get into this whenever you want interim head coach. That's why nobody respects you and you won't be back next year. <laughs> okay. Okay. Uh, so the NFL combine happened. Um, a lot of, a lot of actually interesting things happened. I, as, as I kind of talked about last week, combine's not exactly my event, but um, there were some interesting things that happened and a lot of them with potential guys that the lines might be taking in the first round. So for the first segment, I want to talk about just those guys, the guys in the first round, the, the headliners, the guys that might be options for the lions right now with either the third pick or with the trade down or up or whatever. Um, let's start out with the hottest name from the combine, the guy that I think there are a lot of fans in Detroit that would be a really big fan of this pick, but maybe, maybe not third overall. And that's Isaiah Simmons linebacker slash safety slash cornerback slash defensive end slash any position you want to put him into. Ken, just how good was Isaiah Simmons combine? And more specifically, was there anything that actually surprised you about him? Because I think athleticism was already kind of considered his best trait. Yeah, we, we knew that he was going to jump out of the gym. We knew that he was going to run really fast. None of that was really surprising. Uh, his weigh-in might have been the most important part of his entire combine for him. He came in at 238 pounds, 
Um, he was listed at 230, and the concern was that he was going to measure similar to that, that he was going to play at that in the NFL. Um, a lot of teams have concerns with, with weight for linebackers. The, and the Detroit Lions, coming from the Patriots scouting, scouting tree, that's a big concern with weight. So that was always the concern with him was whether he was going to win. Coming in at 238 was a coup. From there, it was just how good he was going to measure, not whether or not he was going to measure better than most people. Um, I actually measured him out and he came in at a perfect 10 Raz at five different positions. And yeah. that's pretty stupid. So he's, <laughs> he's kind of good when it comes to rel- one of them was cornerback. Like if he was a corner, he would have had the best athleticism score. So he's a hell of an athlete. Ryan, has that changed your opinion on him at all? Is, is he worthy of being in the conversation there now at, at number three for you? I don't know if I can necessarily say that I'm on board with Simmons being in play at number three for the Lions for a couple of reasons. I think in Detroit, he would best translate to being a safety and kind of like that hang safety that the Lions like to deploy a la like a Tavon Wilson. And I just don't think that the value is there at the number three overall pick to take a guy like Simmons. He's an incredible athlete. I think he should probably be taken within the top 15 picks. But within the top three, it's a little bit rich for Detroit, who has needs at, oh, I don't know, cornerback, edge rusher, (laughs) nose tackle, which we will talk about here shortly. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, it's tough. I've I've started to open up to the idea of Isaiah Simmons with the first or the first round pick, um, but three is a tough sell for me as well. I think you look at the kind of impact a guy like. he could make and maybe it's big, but is it the kind that you would really, you know, a, a blue chip top five pick kind of impact? I don't know. It's, it's a hard sell. And, and I do understand that it would make a guy like Tracy Walker, probably a little better being, you know, he basically be able to be the free safety that the Lions maybe want him to be where he can just use his own athleticism, which he has tons of as well to just go sideline to sideline. And we saw a little bit, we saw flashes of that last year. We saw, one pick in the season opener. And I think another one where he almost had two feet down where, you know, if, if the lines were just better elsewhere, Tracy Walker would probably benefit so that he doesn't have to do everything. And Isaiah Simmons would be a big part of that. But again, we're talking about a guy who probably would be, I mean, I don't even know if he would really be considered a starter in his rookie year. would be kind of more of a sub package guy. And yeah. you're looking for more value for that immediate value for that in, in your first over or in your third overall pick. So I think I'm a pass at three, five, maybe, maybe. And yeah, like, even if you want that value, there are two guys in this draft, uh, Kyle Duggar and Jeremy chin, uh, you, you probably get on day two who would perform a very similar role to what you just described. And they're also ridiculous athletes. So is, is, is Isaiah Simmons or is, yeah. Is Isaiah Simmons a better player? Yes. He's a better player than both of those guys, but you're talking about value and it, it's not so much top of the first round value to me. And if you draft someone like Okuda or chase young, and then you get one of those other guys in the second or third round, you got the same thing plus another blue chip player. So you know, it's just a matter of value. Yeah. Well, and, and the one other thing I wanted to say real quick too, Jeremy was yeah. you, you talked about Isaiah Simmons would most likely serve in a sub package role. And I think any guy that the Lions draft at three has to be playing at least like 75 to 80% of snaps. And you wouldn't get that with Simmons because he would be in that sub package role. And I, 
anybody who thinks that the Lions linebackers were so bad and you can just plug in Isaiah Simmons, we, we talked about it earlier. There's no way that this organization would view him as being a linebacker. Yeah. I mean, unless he puts on another 15, 20 pounds, which I mean, they, they, they theoretically could ask him. They, they essentially asked yeah. a, a guy like Jalen Reeves Maven to do something like that as well. And the yeah. question would be, would Isaiah Simmons retain all of that athleticism with another 10, 15 pounds on him? Answer is probably yes still, but um, that's know. why the weigh-in was so important. Right. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, well, let, let's move on to another prospect, another one where I think value um, becomes a big question, but on the other end of the NFL combine um, kind of spectrum, and that's Auburn defensive tackle, Derek Brown, who did not quite show out as good as some were hoping, especially in kind of the agility drills. Kent, why don't you break down what his combine was like and, and what it means maybe for his draft stock? And we've been talking about this for a while about a risk with Derek Brown and talking about how Javon Kinlaw might be the better option for the Detroit Lions because he's more of an internal pass rusher. Derek Brown is much more of a run defender who can occasionally rush the the passer. He has a very good bull rush, but he doesn't really have a whole lot of versatility as a pass rusher. And then he comes into the combine and he measures like a nose tackle, a high-end nose tackle, but still a nose tackle. He came in at 326, I think it was, and he ran an 8:22 cone time, which uh, Jeremy, you had, you had, you and I had talked. Yeah, that's that's a, a whole full second longer than it took Indomik and Sue to run that drill. That's a that's a severe lack of athleticism. That's not just he didn't hit benchmarks. That's a lack of a particular trait. And when you need somebody to provide an immediate benefit to your team, you need them to show those type of traits. And he didn't. You can go back to the tape, and and the tape will tell you pretty much the same thing if you're honestly watching it. So. Uh, it didn't help him. I think he hurt it, hurt his value more than anybody else in this draft. Ryan, I, I I agree with what Kent said, but I think one thing you have to consider is, did he hurt his stock in Detroit? Because that's a different question. What are your thoughts on, on that? I don't think that there was any way that Derek Brown could have showed up at the NFL combine and hurt his draft stock with the Detroit lions. The, <laughs> I think, I think the relationship with Bo Davis I think mm-hmm. the fact that the Lions are severely and sorely hurting for that over the center nose tackle one gap dude who they just lost with Damon Harrison and they don't have a replacement for on their roster after they drafted PJ Johnson last year to supposedly be that and he lasted how long here? So it's uh come on. <laughs> Okay, but still, I mean, like the guy guy couldn't even hang around in the practice squad because he yeah. just butted heads with the you know with the coaching staff. And sure. I the, the thing the thing that's scariest about Derek Brown is that he could potentially he could be that player and he could fill that role. But once again, you're coming back to this. I think this discussion of value, right, Jeremy? Like for the same reason you can't take Isaiah Simmons with the number three overall pick when there's guys like Okuda, potentially Chase Young there. There just isn't that same level of value for a nose tackle. And it's not even one of those things where it's, oh, it's not a sexy pick. It's not, you know, maybe taking like Jerry Judy or maybe, you know, thinking outside the box and taking, I don't know, uh, like Kinlaw at three or something wild like that. Yeah. Or an offensive tackle. Right. But it's just, it, it, it's, it's not because it's not a sexy pick. It's, it's just because it's not the right pick. Yeah. Yeah. And, and 
I, I think I, I'm in agreement again. Nose tackle is a tough sell at number three. We're, we're just coming off a year two where the Lions took a tight end eighth overall. And and you want to you want to talk about a team that's really trying to turn things around. And with their top 10 picks and back to back to back years, they go tight end and defense and nose tackle. <laughs> like, well, well, I, I, I you look at the NFL in 2019 and everyone's like, wow, that, that was the year of tight ends. Tight ends are starting to, to come around. So so maybe you'll be able to justify TJ Hawkinson a couple of years down the road. I think it's going to be tougher with Derek Brown just because, listen, as, as much as Matt Patricia is going to fight it, this is a passing league and a nose tackle. While I agree, it's kind of a linchpin to your defense right now, Matt Patricia, your defense isn't working out right now. And so there needs to be some adjustments. There needs to be some emphasis on pass rush. And, and Derek Brown is not that guy. And hey, it, uh, it can't get a lot worse. You got to admit. That's true. That's true. Um, really quick. How yeah. early would you take Derek Brown? If the Lions were to trade back, what is an acceptable slot for him? For you to be I think you start looking at, at those positions like a nose tackle or a, a top guard who's not a Quentin Nelson type who's a ridiculous talent. But when you really start looking at those guys is when you get in the 20s. That's when you start looking at nose tackle as a potential option because I, I'm totally behind getting that. You mentioned the linchpin of your defense, getting that type of player in the 20s because by that point, all the top pass rushers are gone. The top corners are gone. The top, rec- the top playmakers are gone. All those players are off the board. You start looking at things that fit your team specifically. Yeah. That's when you're okay taking those type of players. For me, Brown has has never been that. I've never been that high on Derek Brown. I had him as a top 15 player. Dropping him five extra spots for me isn't that big of a deal. Do you think there's a chance he falls that far? I think there's a chance that he falls that far. I don't think that he does. I think that there's certain teams who I won't <laughs> name specifically who won't let him fall that far. Gotcha. All right. Well, speaking of top edge rushers, there was another top edge rusher that was early on linked to the lines due to his uh, link to Kirk Ferentz, who's a good friend of Matt Patricia. I'm, of course, talking about Iowa edge guy, AJ Epinesa, who did not really show out as good as I think some people were uh, expecting at the NFL Combine. Kind of going to throw it to you again. What do you make of his Combine performance this week? Yeah, Ebenezer was the first guy that I was like, I have to write an entire article about his metrics and how he tested. Because if he, he tested poorly by people who are, are outside looking in, I don't mean that as a knock against anybody who follows the draft. But to me, if, if you thought that he was going to put up a good 40, what player were you watching on tape? He's not fast. He doesn't win with speed. He wins with power and length and explosiveness in the inside of an interior, a defensive line. He is a monster when he rushes from the inside. He's a monster when he pushes a guy back into the quarterback and uses his length to do those type of things. He sets the edge like a beast. That's what you get with AJ Epinesa. And that's how he measured. He measured like a defensive lineman, not a defensive edge. And I think his, it was like a four or something for his Raz for defensive end. It was a nine when I put him in a defensive lineman. It's, he's got the athleticism he needs to win. Uh, you, you look at guys like DeForest Buckner and Eric Armstead, who are both on the 49ers in the Super Bowl. They're a little bit bigger than him, but it's the same type of player and the same type of measurements as him outside of the size. He's, he's like 15 or 20 pounds lighter. Um, but Michael Bennett, another guy that, that won that way, that he measured similarly to. You know, there's guys like that that have been around forever. Now, the good thing for the Lions is going back to value. Where do you value a player like that? That's generally not a first-round player. So. 
we saw it and, and you and I, we had talked about that in our, our chat room this week, but we had saw people already mocking him in the second round and who to the Detroit Lions. Cause they're a team that values that type yep. of player. I would love having him here. I think that he would be in, in a top tier defensive player in this scheme. I think he fits everything that Matt Patricia does. Um, he's a fantastic player. If anybody, if anybody's voice mattered about, about metrics, not mattering for something, it, it would be mine. I don't <laughs> care that he measured the way that he did. I think it fit exactly what he is on tape and it's how you would have expected him to measure if you were watching him every day. Ryan, were you impressed, depressed by his performance? And then what do you think about his uh, potential fit in Detroit? Yeah, I think Kent is spot on with a lot of the things he said about Epinesa in terms of how he wins and how he plays on tape versus how he ended up measuring at the combine. The one thing I am going to find interesting is how other teams might value that. And if he ends up being a guy who gets taken maybe in the, you know, mid to late twenties and if Detroit would value him so much as to maybe even potentially use their second round pick to trade up and and get him because I mean, you start talking about a draft where maybe you get Okuda at three and then you get Epinesa by moving up to like 26 or 27 and all of a sudden, Hey, that's a, that's a pretty good day one haul right there. Even better. They trade down from five, pick up a late first from Miami. Mm-hmm. Get Okuda <laughs> and Epinesa without having to trade up. Yeah. Or, Dang. or the Lions take Derek Brown at three and we all decide to drink the Kool-Aid. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and the Kool-Aid has cyanide in it. <laughs> all right. I think I'm going to cut it off a little early on this segment. We're going to talk a little bit more about some other first round guys, including Jeff Okuda, who we've mentioned a couple times. We're going to have a little bit of Tua talk coming up as well, and then we're going to dive a little deeper into the second, third, and and not fourth day, because there isn't a fourth day of the draft, but we'll get into all that, and then obviously hit your questions at the end, so stick with us. We'll be right back on the POD cast. Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. 
questions including what are we missing when we work remotely or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking. From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to the future of work, a PropG Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the PropG Pod wherever you get your podcasts. And welcome back to the POD cast. We're here talking NFL combine, recapping everything that happened. And we are still sticking with these first round prospects that might end up in Detroit. Let's go to the guy that most people are mocking to Detroit. And that hasn't changed over the past couple months. That is Ohio state cornerback. Jeff Okuda um, didn't have a flashy combine in terms of on field drills. In fact, he, he got injured, didn't finish uh, a lot of his drills, but still came out. I think, ahead um, or at least even with his uh, draft stock before entering um, Kent, what was, was there anything in particular that impressed you or, or maybe in the other direction you weren't that impressed with, with Okuda from, from last week? No, I, I love Okuda as a prospect already based on his tape. He, he met the expectations with his metrics. Um, you mentioned that he got hurt during the combine. He came out after he got hurt and jumped 41 inches in the vertical and had a great broad to go with that. So he he came out and made sure that he was showing that he could compete. And he gave me enough metrics to provide him with a rest. So I'm, I'm totally cool with <laughs> Jeff Okuda. He's looking out, looking out for me specifically. Um, but it, what really impressed me with Okuda was the way that he interviewed and the stuff that I heard from the folks that were there that, that were able to interview him personally. Jeff Okuda is fantastic when it comes to his game preparedness and his football intelligence. The guy knew the... Uh, position coaches and the actual cornerback situation for, I was told 15 different teams that he was able to just rattle them off. He knew the coaches, he knew the players that were there, which ones were leaving, which ones were staying, where they would play. He knew all that stuff right off the top of his head. That kind of guy is who you want to bring in. It's not just, is he a great, great athlete? It's not just, is he a great man cover corner that fits this scheme? It's, is he the type of player that is committed to playing football, to becoming better, to becoming an elite player, to making his defense great and to winning and he showed all of that at the combine. I have very few concerns with Jeff Okuda. Um, that he bonked his head once at the combine isn't a big flag for me. Um, Ryan, but what about his sloppiness? <laughs> maybe, the, maybe the second best answer from the combine, just because we had that leaked interview. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but uh, yeah, I guess we won't. We'll, we'll talk about that on uh, on Twitch after dark. But <laughs> Okuda, Okuda knocked everything out of the park, right? And I think the only thing that gave people pause was that forty time, yeah. And him running that four four eight, it seemed like that set Twitter on fire for all the dumbest reasons possible. <laughs> yeah, um, people acting like that's slow. By the way, yeah, right. It's like eighty fifth percentile or something like that. <laughs> Right. And if, if you're, if you're bringing your 40 yard dash concerns to Jeffrey Okuda, I'm sure he's just telling you to cut on the tape. Just like, (laughs) yeah, just like is an acceptable answer for anything else that is thrown his way. Because the fact that the man had zero defensive holdings and zero pass interference calls, that's something pretty impressive in and of itself too. I think, I think PFF said that there were only seven players who played a minimum of 200 or 300 snaps that qualified for that. So I mean, that's just a testament of how technically sound he is. He's just an awesome player. And by all accounts, I don't think he should make it to the fifth pick if the Lions were to trade back because 
he's that good of a player. It's just, you have the New York giants who are drafting fourth overall and you have the Washington football team drafting second overall. So, <laughs> so I no think, one knows anything. Exactly. Anything could happen. All right. Let's move over to the offensive side of the ball. Um, one, I think maybe if there was a, bigger surprise if there was the biggest surprise I think from a positional group in total I think it might have been from the offensive tackles and how well they ran in this uh in this draft in this combine I should say and and so let me throw it again to you Ken is there any offensive tackle that raised their stock enough to potentially be in the in the top three discussion with with the Lions with offensive tackle being a relatively important need for this team right now so it's not just that one player did something that would help raise them. It's that every top tackle yeah. did what they needed to do here. Uh, right. There are five tackles that are, that are probably rated in some kind of an order. You have Mackay Becton out of Louisville, you have Tristan Wirfs out of uh, Iowa, you have Austin Jackson out of Southern Cal, Andrew Thomas from Georgia. Um, and then Ezra Cleveland from Boise state came out of nowhere. He, he's a guy that has been mentioned right before the combat, but all of those guys measured really really well and actually six Jedrick Wills Jedrick Wills another one from Alabama all those guys measured really well they all they all did stuff to, to raise their stock they looked fantastic during drills nobody looked poor Mackay Becton at 200 or 364 pounds ran a 5-1 that's bonkers that's that's not real numbers that's just stuff that people make up it's a it's one of those created players that people make on Madden as a joke they don't want to play an offensive Clarence line and make it fast as hell yeah it's 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 stuff that you make up Um, So it isn't just that one player did it's that multiple players did. And that helps the Detroit lions because they're not likely to be in that tackle market that early in the draft, but Washington Redskins are facing a really important situation with their, their left tackle who didn't even play last year and wants a new contract or wants to be traded. Either way, they're going to have to sign him if they want to trade him. Um, So that's a big situation to watch. There is what are they going to do? They could go tackle. They might skip uh, chase young and go a tackle to because they really need that position. And if they can't trade down and they feel like they've already invested enough in defensive ends, then they might skip on chase young and take a tackle. New York giants are almost certainly going to take a tackle. And with all of these guys measuring well and doing well in the drills and the interviews, why wouldn't they take a tackle? It doesn't make any sense that they wouldn't, you know, the Miami dolphins might skip out on Tua to get a tackle. There's all these teams that could be taking a tackle in the top 10. So is it possible that Jeff Okuda doesn't make it to five? Yes. Cause he's amazing. But with all these tackles doing well at the combine and doing well in interviews, and doing well during drills, there's a good chance that one of those guys like Okuda could fall to the Detroit Lions if they trade down. If offensive tackles go high in the draft all the time, it's, it's not uncommon to see three or four tackles in the top five. So it, we're, we're going to, we have a really strong tackle class. It's going to be very interesting to see where these guys end up getting slotted. Yeah. And, and, and I mean, I wouldn't downplay it as a lion's need either top five does seem like a stretch considering all their defensive needs, but I think it should be considered. Um, I, I, again, not a sexy pick, probably not one that's going to get a lot of people very excited. I'm assuming you're, you're on that side of the argument, Ryan. I am on that side of the argument, but I'm also only on that side of the argument because of Tua talk. So we'll get into that when we get to Tua talk. Right, you know, well, he's next on the agenda. Do you want to just jump right into it? Yes. Yeah. All oh. right, let me hit the. Oh, Ryan. Theme, hold on. Theme music time.
is our Tua talk theme. All right, guys. Tua did not do any drills as expected, but according to Ian Rappaport, the medicals he got were overwhelmingly positive. Ryan, you want to talk Tua. What does this mean for Tua? What does this mean for Detroit? Give me it. I think it means a variety of things and all of them good for the Detroit Lions for Uh the same reason that Kent is talking about how all these tackles showed out at the combine and potentially put themselves in discussion to, to being picks within the top five, the same thing happened with Tua. And it was for the reason that Kent said, maybe the combine is at its most important and it's checking off boxes when it comes to medicals and Tua did all that in, you know, shining and shining fashion. The hip is all in good shape. He it looks like all systems are going to be go for his pro day. And that only means good things. And it only means good things because now you have Washington's football team who has a new GM who didn't get to pick the groceries when it came to having quarter, the quarterback that they wanted. And you also have a new head coach in Ron Rivera. I think that there's a distinct possibility that Washington moving on from Dwayne Haskins is a legit, it's a legitimate possibility. I could see them doing something like that. And not because it's not because it's a, not because it's a dumb decision. And that's something that like a organization like Washington would do, but I think it kind of just makes sense. And we, we talked a little bit about when it comes to other teams, potentially having what happened to Arizona last season happened to them with Josh Rosen. And then all of a sudden you get a new head coach and that coach wants a new quarterback and they take the quarterback and then they make everything else just work past that. So if you get two quarterbacks who come off the board, Detroit gets to have the best player in the draft. Yeah. And, and there's reports already out there that are kind of supporting that this is a, a thing South, the, the South Florida Seminole, which again, it's odd to me that all this to a talk, <laughs> and all these tour reports are coming out of Miami or the Miami general area seems, seems a little too coincidental for me, but there's a report out there that, that him and Ron Rivera met at the combine. And he specifically told Tua that, you know, he's interested in bringing him in and, and he'll have competition. Um, and then there's a conflicting report out there that said Ron Rivera was too busy meeting with owners talking about NFL PA stuff. Um, so obviously a lot of weird rumors out there, but in Washington, this news is spreading like wildfire that the line that they might be in for Tua, which would throw a, a huge wrench into the top of the draft. And then kind Here of put it. the lines at this, at this conundrum that we talked about on, on first bite this week, where do you sit there and take chase young if he's there, or do you trade down and get Jeff Okuda with five, because he would almost certainly fall to five at that point. And I know at the time you were like, you just got to grab chase. But I know after you heard Okuda's interview, you kind of started swaying a little the other way, Ryan. Are are you still where you are at Thursday? I don't think that there's a bad situation that plays itself out there. I'm still thumping the table for chase young, but would I be terribly upset if the lions moved back to do that? No, not at all. But the thing I'd be most upset with is if they took Derek Brown at three, if all of those things happen, (laughs) (laughs) I might light myself on fire. (laughs) Uh, Ken, what's your reaction to all this to stuff from the combine in Washington and and everything. So it actually does make sense that you're getting all this stuff out of Miami. It's not so much coincidental, but Miami has been talking about Tua 
for like nine months now. The, the tank <laughs> for Tua stuff started with Miami because Miami right. looked like an absolute dumpster fire in the preseason this last year. And then they looked like an absolute dumpster fire for most of the season. So they've been talking about Tua for quite a while. So these, these guys that are going out here and doing all this research on Tua, they've been making contacts. They've been talking to people. It's not just coming out of thin air and it's not just hyping it up. Well, it's not mostly hyping up. There's at least one in Miami that's just trying to hype up the pick, but mostly it's guys that have been working <laughs> at this stuff for a good, the better part of a year. So it's not really all that surprising. If it were to happen, I'm all, I'm all for it. It's, it's, con- it's, it's conflicting for me because at the same time, the only player that you got that kind of report about medicals from at the NFL combine was Tua Tango by You didn't get that kind of report for anybody else. And there were a lot of guys that, that needed positive medicals. We were able to make some assumptions based on how they measured and if they measured and how well that they did when they did. Uh, Antoine Winfield out of Minnesota is a great example. He had a bunch of medical issues that were pushing his draft stock down. He had some uh, uh, athleticism concerns. He measured in almost everything and did fantastic in most of them. That you can tell the medicals either went well or they mean less because you know that he's a great athlete and you already know that he's a playmaker. Tua didn't do that. And he's not actually measuring at his pro day. He's not measuring at the Alabama pro day. Uh, He's having his own pro day after that. Right. And I don't expect him to measure. As far as I'm concerned, he's done for rats. My metric stuff, he's done for uh, probably with Chase Young too. Unfortunately, but, um, I don't expect him to do any measurements. But will he? Will he throw at Alabama's pro day? That's probably a no. Will he throw at his own pro day? That's also probably a no. And that's where it really becomes important for how well he's navigated this draft season. And he has done a very good job of doing so. He's he's controlled the narrative the entire way. Um, but does he continue to do so once it starts getting closer to crunch time? I don't know. Uh, and you already mentioned the teams that that's going to be important for Washington, Detroit, and Miami. All right. We're going to close out to a talk there. Let's move on to some day two, day three guys. Um, specifically, let's talk about some positions of need that the lines either may not address or, or could use multiple positions. I want to start. Let's, you know what? there's a guy that you specifically want to talk about Kent. So we're just going to jump right to him. Linebacker Casey Tuil. Why, why do you want to talk about him? And and what about him at the combine stuck out to you? So we joked around about a lot over the last year because of the Detroit Lions selection of Jelani Tavai about how they're so set in picking these big, slow linebackers who, who don't project as athletic at the next level. And a lot of people are only looking at those type of players and saying, Oh, that's a lions guy. He's slow and can't move. That's what the lions are going to pick, but that's not really what they're looking for. They're looking for big and long players, guys that are, that have a lot of weight on them, generally good height and longer arms in general. So Casey Tuhill was a guy I was on to very early because of that. Uh, he measured in really well at the combine combine. He was six, four, 250 pounds at 33 and a half inch arms, big dude. Uh, his tape doesn't say that he's super athletic. He doesn't look like he's a great mover in space, but the 2020 NFL combine, he measured at a 4.62 in the 40. He had elite scores for both the vertical and the broad. He had a great shuttle score. He had an almost seven, uh, seven flat, uh, cone time. He had 7.08. Those are great athletic testing numbers. And then you take into account the fact that he's 250 pounds. Those are the type of metrics you usually get from 235 pound will linebackers. And this guy's 250. Uh, Casey Tuhill is a guy that I expect to be rising over, over the next couple of months. I think he's a really good player. He's definitely a, a assignment sound type of player. 
player. He doesn't make a whole lot of big flashy plays, but he does what he's told to do. And when you can do that and have an, a, an elite athletic profile, that's, that's fantastic. He ended up with a 9.78 Raz coming out of the combine for a guy that had athleticism concerns coming in at 97th percentile. That's pretty dang good. Yep, definitely. Um, I want to move over quickly to the offensive side of the ball. Ryan, um, you, we've talked about it a little bit before wide receiver is a, an underrated need for this team. Obviously they're the top three guys are entering the final years of their contract, even with um, Danny Amendola signed for one more year. Uh, but the wide receiver showed up at the NFL combine. Is there a guy that, that you saw either, you know, from the senior bowl on or anywhere that you think the lines could maybe target in, in day two or day three that, that you'd be fully on board with? Yeah. I mean, in my mock draft that I did last week, I, admittedly had a guy who the draft network allowed to fall all the way to the fourth round, who will probably be more so like a, a day two pick for sure. Uh, and that's KJ Hill out of Ohio state. Mm -hmm. I think that at the next level, he projects really well as a slot receiver. The lines are going to be in need for a player like that. He's not a guy who is crazy athletic. Um, he's not going to wow you in, in that way, but man, he has some, he has some sure handed mitts for hands. He set Ohio state's career receptions record. He's a guy who is, you know, like sneaky and kind of crafty around the line of scrimmage in terms of getting separation and things like that. And that's, that's something that the wide receivers currently in Detroit don't really have, you know, when it, when it comes to getting separation right off the line, that's not Kenny, that's not Kenny Galladay necessarily. That's not Marvin Jones. And, you know, Danny Amendola is 34 years old. So Getting a guy like KJ Hill would be a would be a huge get for for the Detroit Lions, and there's some other names that are pretty interesting. KJ Hamler, he, uh, he's an interesting name as well. Um, all the KJs, know, yeah, all the KJs. I want all the KJs on my team for sure. <laughs> um, and then an, another name, Ken. I don't, I don't know if you can talk about him off the top of your head, but Jalen Rager out of um, out of TCU. I think that he's a really interesting name as well. Yeah, Jalen Rager's fantastic. And the, the big concern with him is his hands, is whether or not he can catch the football well at the next level. But whenever you have a guy that has hands concerns, it comes down to one thing. Not many things, not one of a couple of things, one thing solely. Do you make enough plays outside of those drops to make it worth it? And Jalen Rager does that. He's a deep threat. He's a guy that can catch the ball in open catch situations because he's so fast. Uh, he didn't run as well as everybody had expected at the combine, but he still did well. Um, he ran one of the worst cone times of any at the combine, but it was reported that he did have some kind of injury that he's been dealing with. I'm sure we'll find out more about that as the combine goes on or as the draft season goes on. Uh, but he's a fantastic talent. There are people who talking about him still as a day one talent. Uh, I think if he's still there with the Lions second round pick, he's an option. I don't know that I would take him there, but I don't expect him to get to the Lions next pick. Mm, yeah, for sure. And I, I think another narrative surrounding him too, is the quarterback play at TCU, especially last season was just horrendous. It was pretty bad. Yeah. 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 So I actually, I, I've seen that kind of come up with quite a few different wide receivers so far in the combine um, Donovan's people, people Jones or Donovan mm, yeah. Jones. He's, he's a guy who, I mean, he, he blew the doors off the combine, but the quarterback play That's a little bit. Suspect Patterson, Michigan. Don't, don't hate. <laughs> hey now, hey now. Everyone care. Um, While we're on combine talk and Donovan Peoples Jones talk, did you guys actually catch his numbers at the combine? I saw that he, he, jumped. he jumped like over the moon. 
He jumped out of them. He had a 44 and a half inch vertical and an 11 just foot record, seven right? inch broad, just short. Yeah. Just short. And an 11 foot seven inch broad. In, if, if Byron Jones and Calvin Johnson didn't exist, those would be ridiculous. I mean, they're already <laughs> ridiculous. They're just not record setting. <laughs> um, one other guy at, at this position I want to talk about, and it's one our Twitch chat is talking about a little bit. Denzel Mims out of Baylor. Um, Ugh. crazy athlete. Where, where do you think he yeah. could go? And do you think he's a fit here in Detroit? Kent? I think he's a fit. I was hoping that he wouldn't measure as well as he measured. I mean, this, this is <laughs> a guy that makes, secret? I was hoping that he would stay a secret. You know, I've been talking of, of James Prochet as a big option for the lions in the later rounds, because he's such a fantastic, so fantastic at making those stupid catches that don't make any sense. Denzel Mims does the same thing. Um, he plays for Baylor. Baylor has a very interesting offense and in how they use their guys. Their guys take plays off, uh, and that often gets knocked on the draft, but it's it's by design. So they'll have guys run complicated route trees. They'll have them run straight up the line, and then the very next play, they'll do almost nothing. They'll block. Um, Denzel Mims gets knocked because he's from Baylor, um, but he's also six, almost 6'3", 207 pounds, and you're in a 4'3", 8". That's nuts. Uh, elite, elite explosion numbers. He ran a six, six, six cone drill, which is just, that's just something. That's so. just devilish. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't think that that secret's holding up. I've heard Denzel Mims getting pushed all the way up into the first round in this class. I don't see that, but in the second round, he's going to go to somebody. I don't see him lasting until the third round. Uh, he's very much in play with the Detroit Lions second pick. Well, second round pick. Yeah, <laughs> hopefully they're not training up to number two to get him, but we'll we'll see. Uh, really quickly, let's talk. Um, Ken, if you can throw out some guard names and some cornerback names, because I think those are also big names. And if they don't go Jeff Okuda, I, I'd like to hear some other options for the Lions in in the second and third round to be end. Yeah, so the guard class underwhelmed greatly. Yeah, you didn't have a whole lot of guards, straight straight guards that did very well. Uh, one of the guys that I really liked out of Kentucky was Logan Stenberg. He didn't have a very good combine. I mentioned that there haven't been a lot of guys that did poorly at the combine. That's one of those few <laughs> that, that didn't do all that well. Uh, the center prospects, though, are the guys that are going to re- be really interesting because you have Cesar Ruiz excuse me, out of, out of Michigan. You know, Michigan fans are already aware of how good that Ruiz is. He's one of the best interior def- offensive linemen in the draft. Uh, he's fantastic. The Lions have no need of center. Um, so when you come to those centers, the question becomes two things. Is he athletic enough to play guard? Uh, athleticism doesn't matter all that much at center. Cesar Ruiz had an 8.93 Raz. He's athletic enough to play guard. I'm down for it. Uh, and, and then you have Lloyd Cushenberry out of Louisiana State. Uh, Cushenberry unfortunately got injured during his 40-yard dash, so we weren't able to see all of his metrics as he came through. Um, he, If he's not the first center or interior offensive lineman off the board, he'll be the second. It's either going to be him and Cesar Ruiz going in that order or the other way around. I think uh, both those are fantastic players. They can both play center and guard, uh, which is a plus in this offense. So uh, those are the big names to watch there uh, at cornerback. We already mentioned Okuda and I'm team Okuda all the way. So if we can get him, I'm going to be very, very happy um, outside of him. You have guys like CJ Henderson out of Florida who actually measured at a 10.0 Raz, which, you know, that's pretty dang good. <laughs> um, but okay. it's there's a lot of projection to his game. He's he's all athletic tools, winning with his, his athletic talent, um, and and whether or not you can coach him up, that's going to be really important. 
The Lions hired a defensive coordinator who was a defensive backs coach. That's important when looking at somebody like CJ Henderson, because we know that this is a coach who knows how to work with defensive backs, who knows how to work with the secondary and try to develop that type of talent. So I wouldn't take CJ Henderson off just because he's more of a developmental guy. Um, but then you have a guy like Javelin Guidry. Actually, there's two Utah cornerbacks, uh, Javelin Guidry and Jalen Johnson. Both of them have athletic, elite athletic profiles. Jalen Johnson's probably going to be gone at the tail end of the first round. So I don't think the Lions are going to really have a chance to get him. Guidry is a track guy. He's all speed. He ran a 4-2-9, um, which is actually probably slow for him. He ran like a 10.13 100-meter dash. The guy is a straight burner. Um, but he can play cornerback too. He's a pretty good defensive player. So those are the guys that I'd keep an eye on. This, this is a really strong cornerback class, even though there's a pretty big drop off from Jeff Okuda to that next tier, it's still a pretty deep, strong class. So it's one to keep an eye on. If the Lions don't get Jeffrey Okuda in the first round, it's probably their second or third day. All right, there you have it. Kent, thank you as always for that great combine talk. We're going to take a break. And when we come back, we have got a big full mailbag that we're going to tackle. It's going to be exciting. Stick around. You're not going to want to miss it. Mail Mailbag. Hashtag ask POD with all of your questions throughout the week. Throw it in our Twitter. Um, you don't need to necessarily tag us. Just hit ask hashtag ask POD. We'll get to it. We'll read your questions now. And if there's enough good ones, we'll even put up a post on Pride of Detroit answering some of your additional ones. We got a nice load today. Let's start. And this one's specifically for you, Ken. This is a good time since you're here. Um, Justin Bro at LJB Rough on Twitter asks, What's the difference between Raz and Spark? Oh, that's a great question. I get that every year. Um, Spark is a proprietary formula that is as developed by Nike. It's used by Nike. Um, it's primarily used in high school recruiting now, but it, it's it's used throughout the draft process. Um, again, it's a proprietary formula, so nobody can go out and just enter a player's metrics and say, what's his Spark going to be? Um, Raz is completely free and open source. It's a 0 to 10 scale, so it's easy to understand Spark's it goes up to like 130 something or something like that. It's, it's got a different, different scale to it. It's not as easy to understand. Raz is intentionally made specifically for the fans in mind so that it's easy to understand. It provides that, that contextual value for what a metric means when you're looking at a player. Um, I'm a little biased on whether or not it's a good thing, uh, but it was <laughs> intentionally made. It was intentionally made so that it could help fans understand things better. And I think it does that really well. Spark, if you know Spark, I think it might provide more value. I won't speak to that because I don't really into it. Um, but I know that it wasn't developed with the fans in mind. Relativeathleticscore.com for all your Raz needs. All right, next question. Uh, Jay Jones 164 at Pride of Detroit asked, if Detroit stays at three, what are the names that could be called that you would be okay with? How many are there? I, I already know Kent's answer because we talked about this beforehand. I want to I want to talk with Ryan here, and I think it might be the same answer, but give me your comprehensive list of players you'd be okay with for the Detroit Lions at number three. Two. 
And it's not too, uh, too, uh, uh? <laughs> Oh, okay. I, I thought you hadn't finished your thoughts. Fine. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Chase Young, Jeff Okuda, end of list. What if I, what if I say Joe Burrow? Ooh. Making it no. tough now, huh? No, 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 no. We're not doing this. We're not doing this. <laughs> Matthew Stafford's back healed in January <laughs> per Instagram. No man. The best source out there. That, that 2021 out year. So none of you are buying into the Isaiah Simmons hype this much. Great player. It's not it's a value question. Uh, great great player, value question. Also don't know about the fit with this team. Uh, he also asked if the lines were to trade down, what's the furthest you'd be okay with? We played around with this in our mock draft a couple weeks ago, and our best results came what we traded down to 12? Uh, 13, like, 13. 13, we traded to Indianapolis. Yeah. Oh, that's right. That gave us the best results. That was that was nice. Who'd we get? We get Kinlaw or something? Yeah, we did. We got Kinlaw at 13, which Kinlaw at 13, I think, might be a steal now. Maybe. It depends if there's that offensive tackle run that, that Kent was talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, but but let, let's answer the question here. Where, where are you comfortable the line's trading down to? That's, that's a tough one, man. Yeah. Because uh, once you trade past five, Okuda's gone. He's off the right. table. So yeah. is Chase Young. Your top two players are off the table if you trade to five. You can get one, but not both. Uh, six is an option because you're looking at the Los Angeles Chargers who might be in the MAC market to trade for a quarterback. So that's always an option. Um, but you're in that same boat because if that happens, then that's assuming that Miami took to a, the giants took probably a tackle, maybe one of the defense, maybe Okuda or young, if they're there. And then whoever traded up with the lions took one of those players. It gets really tough. Once you get to six, uh, seven might be as far as I'd go. I, I, I could consider going down to like 15 if, and this is going to sound not like me. But if uh, with the Lions traded to like 15 or 16 somehow, somehow we're in the middle of the first round and took an offensive tackle with that pick. <laughs> we're looking at Tristan Wirfs, Jedrick Wills, Andrew Thomas, one of those guys. The Lions trade down to the middle of the first round, take a tackle. But they acquired an additional first round pick somehow or a couple of additional second round picks. And those picks were a corner like Christian Fulton, CJ Henderson, uh, defensive uh, lineman if Epinesa falls uh, or a corner or a, a, a guard even actually I would take there's options I think once you get past 15 that opens up in a different type of team building way but when you look at that we're not looking at 2021 we're looking at 2022 and 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 that's I think what this the, the kind of crux of this question is like it's a philosophical question. Is it the Lions' responsibility with the top three pick to get a top tier player or is it to use that draft capital to get as many players as possible that could potentially be starting? It's a tough question to answer. Yeah. Right. Well, I, I think, I think you take it one extra level too. And you say, not only is it a choice of whether or not they get a top tier talent or they get multiple, you know, they get multiple picks out of it, but this regime is drafting for their style of play. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it's, it's not necessarily targeting quote unquote, maybe the best players, but it's the right players. Like we talked about how Derek Brown is a fit. 
We talked about how AJ Epinesa is a fit. Now we like those players. We don't love those players and we wouldn't take them as high as three, but if the lions were to trade back to seven, eight, nine, ten, and then maybe they take a player like Brown or they value a player like Epinesa so much, then all of a sudden I think you're pretty disappointed. Yeah. It, we, we get into that, not a sexy pick range, right? Mm-hmm. Well, sure. we get we get into that, and then you just wonder about is Bob Quinn drafting so that he gets the best possible team this year, or are they taking care of their franchise long term? Like Chase Young is a player who can play in whatever scheme you want to. If you can't find a spot for Chase Young in your defense, then you're an awful defensive coordinator. It's the same thing that people are saying about Isaiah Simmons. Like. I just, I just find, I find that's going to be an interesting approach to the draft. Are they going to be willing to take more swipes at guys like tease Tabor, like Jelani Tavai, guys that were very like, Hey, these will fit in our defensive schemes and they end up not panning out. Yeah. The, the quote unquote safe picks, you know, the ones that, that aren't, you know, not high ceiling guys, but you know, high floor. Low, yeah. High floor. Yeah. And so or even if they work out, it, it doesn't really matter all that much in terms of win. Frank, Frank Ragnall is one of the best interior offensive linemen in the right. NFL this year. We still only won three games. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. I, I mean, obviously the, the goal is to do a little bit of both, right. In terms of like using your, your picks for its value. So, I mean, that's why everyone is talking about this trade down to five with Miami is because it's the best of both words. So you're, you're getting value by adding picks and you're probably getting a top tier prospect out of ideally a Jeff Okuda. I think in that situation is, is what everyone is playing with. But the, I mean, there is something to be said with, I I'm, I'm just, I'm too much in love with trading down and I'm too much skeptical about scouting in general in the NFL. It's not an exact science. And so while I understand the the love and the the temptation of getting that top tier guy, I'm not going to be that upset if they trade out of the top 10. I'm really not. As long as they get, as long as that nets at least, you know, three picks in the top two rounds, three additional picks in the top two rounds, something like that. It'll be the most it boring, good draft most boring good draft would be if the lions trade out of the top 10 and still land Derek Brown. <laughs> and then with one of their next, one of their next picks, they take Epinesa. That would be an awesome draft in terms of value and what they actually yeah. got out of. Yeah. That's but what I'm saying. It's such a boring draft. <laughs> and honestly, I, I think, I think fans, it. fans would not <laughs> like it for, for addressing the it. defensive line with the top two picks. They would still hate that. <laughs> yeah. All right. It, let's move crash on. It. This is garbage. <laughs> this is what I'm talking about. You're, you are the id of Lions fans, Ryan. <laughs> um, all right. I'm going to move on to this next question. It's silly and very clearly directed strictly towards me. And I'm uh, a bit of a narcissist. So I took it. Nick at Nick nine, five, five, five on Twitter. asks: you're in a room with Hitler, a mozzarella stick and the original creator of the flea flicker. This is basically a, a version of, of F Mary kill, except hit one, hug one and bite one. All right. I'm hitting Hitler. All right. Let's just get that one out, out of the way. Hitler's getting hit. Hey, you want that aftertaste? I'm certainly not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's not kosher. I'm certainly not biting a mozzarella stick. So I'm hugging it in the hope that hugging it gives it magical powers into tasting good. 
and then I'm biting the creator of the flea flicker because I don't know because he should be bit. <laughs> flea flicker sucks in the NFL. Does anyone else want to weigh in on this ridiculous question, or should we move on? This kind of just no, seemed I like your it. own personal hell, so I'm going <laughs> to let you weigh in on it and that be it. All right. Uh, next question from Critical Perspective asks a very interesting question. Gun to your head, who opens the season as the Lions starting right guard? He gives some options, but you don't necessarily need to take him. A 2019 Lion, Glasgow, Wiggins, Abushi, Ben Shaw, a 2020 draft pick, or a free agent? Um, I'll, I'll go ahead and take that one. I think it's going to be a free agent. Uh, the guard market has been getting for teams worse and worse every year for players. That's great. Um, but I still think that they're probably going to address that position in free agent in free agency. I don't think it's going to be a top tier guy. I don't think they're going to go out and get a Graham Glasgow type of player, a uh, guy commanding, you know, double, double digit millions each year. Um, I still, I don't think that in this instance, they would do the same thing they did with, with, uh, Wiggins and Abushi either, where they get that bottom tier, uh, veteran journeyman type of starter. I think that they're past that. Um, I think actually one or both of those guys are back this next year, but I don't think they're going to be the starter. I think they're going to go out and spend on a mid tier, uh, guard pick, um, for, for the free in free agency so that they can pull in a guy that can start immediately. I think they also draft somebody. Um, and I think it's probably going to be at that point, a fourth, maybe fifth round guy, similar to what they did with Joe Dahl. Brian, how do you feel? You know, I can really see it being one of two things. I, I, I think Kent is right on the money when it comes to free agency. I think that that's a legitimate option. And I think that's a viable one for the lions specifically, but a name that I saw earlier on Twitter, uh, was Trey Turner and the Carolina Panthers are shopping him. I mean, oh, could the Lions, that's actually a good, good yeah. Too. Could, could, could the lions potentially maybe, you know, maybe they move back in the draft and maybe something that they get in one of the later rounds, maybe they pick up an additional third round pick or an additional fourth round pick. And they use that draft capital to invest in a trade and pick up a, pick up a guard that way. I'm going to change my answer to what he just said. <laughs> <laughs> I think I am going to take the the pessimistic Lions fans are going to hate it look, and I honestly think it might be a camp battle between Kenny Wiggins and Bo, Bo Benchall. Mm. Awesome. I can't <laughs> wait to see it from the far side <laughs> of the field. <laughs> All right. Is that, Wiggins? That, depressing... Is that Wiggins or Benchall? I can't tell when they're on the turf. <laughs> Stand up so I can see your number. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fire me in the sun. Uh, you got, but here's the thing. The headline's going to be Derek Brown puts Bo Benchall on his ass <laughs> in our camp. No. Stop. <laughs> Derek Brown has looked incredible in training camp so far. He has zero drops. <laughs> all right next question comes from at ben miller 49 on twitter he asks, what's the furthest distance you can be from detroit and still care to purchase season tickets grand rap is a resident here debating whether or not to get some season tickets i think this is an interesting question here that's directly related to your financial situation well let's yeah let's say let's say you can spend 
you you have the disposable income to get season tickets. The question is, how long are you willing to drive for a Lions game on a weekly basis? Yeah. I don't know. I, I, enthusiastic crowd here on that answer. <laughs> I, the, the, thing, the thing about that is just going, and we've talked about this on the podcast before, because Chris, Chris and I would talk about it an awful lot, but just the experience of being a fan and going to games and how much that has changed with the proliferation of HD television. I mean, yeah. that it's just, it's yeah. become an entirely different experience. And if you say money's not an issue, okay. Like it's awesome to have season tickets, but at the same time, you're talking about, like you said, the, the investment in time that you're making right. and that drive, man, I don't know. Like even, even, even the drive that I have to make to get to Detroit, which is about 45, 45, 50 ish minutes to get, to get to downtown Detroit, to get to Ford field. That's a commitment. And I don't know if that's a commitment I want to make on every Sunday. My answer is however long it takes for you to get home in time for the 8 p.m. Twitch Pride of Detroit recap okay. of the game. You got to answer the important questions first, right? <laughs> uh, yeah, that's a tough one, though. I mean, I I think it's important to to go to a live game at least once a year. When I was living outside of Michigan, I made sure I did do it. I did it at least once a year because it's fun. It's it's a unique experience. It, it's certainly not necessarily as good as sitting in in your own home, and and certainly not as cost effective as that. But it's it's a fun experience, and if you do it right, um, I, I would say if you if you're in Grand Rapids, that's a tough ask. I would say maybe just make it out to two or three games. Like schedule when the schedule comes out next month, you circle a couple games that you're like, these are games I want to see. These are games, you know, times a year that I can make it. Maybe schedule it around um, early in the season so that you don't have to drive in a in a Michigan winter <laughs> from Grand Rapids. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I I don't think I would necessarily go season tickets from Grand Rapids. That seems crazy. All right, final question. This one revolves around Matthew Stafford, and we've barely talked about him, even though he seems to be in the news just about every single week. Um, from Feel the Burden 2020 asks, with all this Stafford trade talk, I was trying to think of another quarterback who had a similar career. I can't think of anyone who make, could make all the throws, put up a ton of yards, touchdowns, etc., but can't win big games. Who's a quarterback that has had a ton of talent, great stats, but never won anything? I got nothing. Well, for a while, for a while, it was John Elway. Yeah. yeah for a long time, it was John Elway. And Stafford's a lot younger than Elway was when everything eventually fell into place, right? Right. Yeah. I want to say it wasn't Elway up in like 36, 37, 38 yeah. range. Something like that. I, one, one cool tool that Pro Football Reference has is their their career similarity metric. Mm-hmm. And so you want to look at the guys who statistically have looked like Matthew Stafford and been around 10, 11 seasons, Tony Romo, I would say probably fits the category. John Elway, Steve McNair, uh, Bob Greasy, Drew Bledsoe, Boomer Sice, and Eli Manning, obviously not the necessarily the win thing there, but Donovan McNabb is up there as well. That was the one I was going to mention. Once you once you stop was Don McNabb. That's the first name that I saw that actually made sense. 
Uh, I think in our in our comment section we had Jay Cutler as an ex, as as a comparison as well. I think mm-hmm. Stafford probably uh, is, is, is a small tier above him, but it's not as much as you'd think. Don't, I don't try know. to tell that. Don't try to tell that to seventh grade me because I famously put in my uh, <laughs> in my career EDP that I wanted to see the Detroit Lions trade for Jay Cutler. <laughs> you were almost there too. That close. And that'll do it for the Pride of Detroit podcast. Thank you for joining us. We'll see you this week, midweek for uh, First Bite. Make sure you listen to that. Well, until then, goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>